and welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I am Jason Johnston Yellen, lover of sandwiches. You over there, you sir, to whom I am referring, you remain Joshua Hatton. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm, I'm glad you finally called upon me because I, I, I imagine the listeners are like, well, who, me? Who? You're talking to me? I don't see anybody else. I feel like I've been watching too many police procedurals. Because I, I feel like I've put you on the stand this day. Yeah, where was I on the night of the 15th? Exactly. Tell that's tell that's the question I've been asking. Listen, mm. normally an extra extra, you or I bring a normally whiskey-related story to the attention of the other. We read it in the first half, we riff on it in the second half, and we get out of here... In a tight 35, and I tell the listeners every episode, you can set your watch by the tightness of that 35 minutes. That's a very tight 35 minutes. I tell you. And for the edification of our dear listeners, you will text me as you complete the edit, and you will invariably say, this episode is 37 minutes and one second. And I will invariably write back and say, sounds like a tight 35 to me. <laughs> Every time. All the time. Say <laughs> so you watch by it. All right. So I told you before we jumped in here today that I had a tight plan for the recording. Yeah, you wouldn't even tell me anything about it. I'm just here clueless. Believe it or not, I have two whiskey-related news articles to read to you today. Okay. Before we riff on them in the second half. I also hmm. want to say, one of our dear listeners, Bert Bumgartner, hmm. I had the pleasure of, of spending some time in Scotland recently with Bert, and I'll be spending some time with him in the Selway Bitterroot Wilderness uh, later this month of June as well. And as we were driving, he said to me, I want to bring up something about Extra Extra. And I said, please, please do. Oh. And he said, it drives me crazy, which is never a good start. It drives me crazy when you and or Joshua talk about being unable to read these articles because pop-ups keep happening. Yes. Ads are appearing, yes. videos are appearing, yes. and we always communicate that to our dear listeners. He said, why do you never hit reader view? Hit what? <laughs> Re reader, oh, reader view. Well, 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 there's an answer for Bert. <laughs> Hit, what now? Who, who now? And so since, since I've returned from Scotland and I've been looking at articles online, all being bombarded with ads and all that, yeah. I just hit reader view and it, all goes away and you just read the words. I I don't even know how to do that. How does one hit reader <laughs> review? Is there a button on your keyboard that you do you do you type yeah. do you type in yeah. the words reader view and then hit there's enter? Just, there's a little there's a little button. I, I I can't find it right now, but can't find the button. Yeah, you just you just hit it. You just hit it. There's something there. Reader view. Oh, that's what it is. So yeah. if you're in your browser and you go up to view, yeah. there will be one that says yeah, show reader. And then you just, boom, you hit that and you go into reader view. 
Can I just unplug it and plug it back in again and see if that helps? You should see the difference it makes to read really? online. That's it is amazing. Unbelievable. Amazing. So okay. anyway, anyway, yeah, we're never okay. we're never gonna get out of here in a tight thirty-five yeah. if we spend all this time telling people how to turn their browser into a I don't view, know how to do that. <laughs> I can tell you in Safari, it, it just changes the world. It's amazing. So listen, Joshua, you and I have been covering stories mm-hmm. recently mm. about new distillery builds. Yeah. Expanding distilleries, expanding visitor centers. Today, we answer the question of, with all these expanding distilleries, what are they doing with all of this distillate? Hmm. Yeah. So our first article comes from the Herald. It was sent to me by Jess Lomas. All right, so the, the Herald is uh, it's a Scottish publication, right? It is indeed okay. Scottish publication. And both of these, or each of these articles, come from the 8th and 9th of June. So a little bit earlier in the month. Oh, okay, um, okay. But, but only, only really a couple of weeks ago yeah. from uh, where this episode lives. So the article by Brian Donnelly, who is the business correspondent for the Herald, mm is entitled Dalmeny Royal Elizabeth Yard Whiskey Plan. Dalmeny? Dalmeny. Okay. D-A-L-M-E-N-Y. Okay. Okay. All right. Plans to develop a huge whiskey facility at a former military site on the outskirts of the Scottish capital have been unveiled. I'll tell you something else that happened while I was in Scotland. My brother said, I want to tell you something about Extra Extra. Oh, right. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, go go on. And he said, it drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, I've heard this somewhere before. He said, why don't you and Joshua just Focus on getting through the reading of the article in the first half and save all your riffing to the second half. Why do you keep pausing during the reading? And I say, I said to him, well, it kind of breaks up, right? We're just reading sentences on a podcast. It kind of breaks it up a little bit. I said, no, just read it. Just read it and then get on to the breakup stuff. That's what I'm here for. All right, Murray, calm down, calm down. And so that just popped into my head because as I'm reading plans to develop a huge whiskey facility, I was going to make a little comment that huge is a good journalistic word. Like, I love the nebulous nature of huge. Oh, yeah, they're really, there's nothing attached to it. I mean, yes, there is something, but it is nebulous. It, it could be. Could be anything from whose whose perspective? Huge. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. No. Spot on. Yeah. So anyway, I I thought okay, I won't say that because that makes Murray upset. So okay, so Jason will remain focused here. Okay. Royal Elizabeth Bond has launched a consultation on proposals to develop bonded and maturation warehouse space at Royal Elizabeth Yard at Delmeny near Edinburgh. The developer said our emerging proposals seek to respond to significant market demand for bonded and maturation warehouse accommodation 
in central Scotland. The quote continues, The ongoing expansion of the whisky industry has left the market with a shortage of accommodation with particular impacts for smaller independent distillers. One may also add bottlers. It continued, the, the quote continues, in addition, the increasing challenges that the industry is facing regarding stricter regulations relating to the storage of alcohol, combined with the increasing constraints of existing sites, has led to there being significant demand for purpose-built and regulatory compliant warehouse accommodation. The quote continues, mm. As such, our emerging proposals present an opportunity to provide a key piece of infrastructure for the Scotch whisky industry, which contributes £5.5 billion in gross value added to the UK economy and supports over 42,000 jobs. The proposal site comprises the existing Royal Elizabeth Yard Industrial Estate at Standing Stane Road and Milton Farm Road. The site has been in commercial use since at least the 1940s, when it was developed as a depot. Some people say depot. I go with depot. Yeah, I go depot. Yeah, dig, dig a little, dig a little depot. Who's who's the band? Devo, or is it Devo? <laughs> it's sure as hell not Devo. <laughs> So the site has been in commercial use since at least the 1940s when it was developed as a depot to supply food and beverages to the Royal Navy at Rosyth. Royal Elizabeth Yard has 17,663 square metres of business and industrial accommodation, together with associated parking, yard and other external areas. There are currently 37 business premises within Royal Elizabeth Yard, comprising eight large warehouse buildings and a series of smaller business premises. Mm. Final paragraph. The Royal Elizabeth Yard is, quote, well suited in terms of meeting the necessary regulatory and security requirements for the storage of spirit, end quote, said the developer. Hmm. So, more warehousing going in for anybody to be using. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. So, Interesting. there's a few bits and bobs I'm, I'm going to add to this in the second half. Okay. We're going to jump over to the Associated Press here. Oh, okay. I've heard of them. Yeah, it's, an, yeah, it's a name we don't often get to include nope. on, the, on the Extra Extra. So... This this has no journalist attributed to it. It is just attributed to the Associated Press. Hmm. With the title, Four Roses Adding Warehouses in Kentucky Expansion. Hmm. Okay. Four Roses Distillery will expand its Kentucky operations by investing more than $23 million to construct more storage warehouses for its spirits, Governor Andy Bashir said. Work on the new warehouses at Coxey's Creek is expected to be completed 
by 2024. Four Roses will build 17 warehouses, totaling more than 776,000 square feet. And the AP has done us a solid here. Yeah. 72,092 square meters. Look at them covering bases. Isn't that helpful? Look at that. So our... If you remember, our Herald article yep. said 17,663 square meters. Okay. So 17,500 square meters for the Scotch whiskey outside Edinburgh. Yeah. 72,000 square meters for the bourbon outside Frankfurt, Kentucky. Wow, that's 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 so very interesting. Um, because you, well, you know what? I'm gonna listen to Murray, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my thought. <laughs> I try to please your brother as much as I can. Got to placate him. So just to reiterate the paragraph, we're halfway through. Four Roses will build seventeen warehouses, totaling more than seven hundred seventy-six thousand square feet or 72,000 square meters to support continued growth of the Lawrenceburg-based distillery, Mm. Bashir's office said Tuesday. Kentucky's bourbon and spirits growth continues at an incredible rate, and we welcome this major investment from Four Roses, Bashir said. The investment comes in response to increased demand for the company's bourbon, throughout the United States. Four Roses currently employs 137 people in Kentucky, including 20 at an existing warehouse in Cox's Creek. Hmm. And now, this is the final paragraph. Since Bashir took office, Kentucky's spirits industry has had more than 50 new location or expansion announcements, resulting in more than 1.1 billion, with a B, dollars in planned investments and more than 900 announced full-time jobs, the governor's office said. Second half of Extra Extra, Joshua Morrissey Hatton. It's glad to be back. What did I say? It's glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. So, yes. the reason that our dear Jess had sent the Herald article to me via text is that when she and I were driving around Scotland, we were at Royal Elizabeth Yard. We were... On site there, looking at casks, listening to some plans for casks, being told about the Royal Navy history within the building. Now, there's a few things to say here. Number one, it's a huge spot. It's a huge amount of land and these... 37 business premises Uh that they describe here 
those are a those are a mix of large and small <laughs> warehouse spaces. Mm-hmm. And so when the article talks about comprising eight large warehouse buildings and a series of smaller business premises. Mm-hmm. You could knock some things together. You could obviously, if you're storing whiskey, there's regulations about firewalls and fire sure. doors and explosive switches, and th- there are some very real considerations there. Also, as the article says, there's talk about security as well. Sure. All of this needs to be significantly locked down. Mm-hmm. But, but the yard itself is a good size mm. to then compare. This 17,500 square meters with what's being described as 72,000 square meters for the Four Roses, 17 warehouses. It's an astronomical difference. So I I love your use of the word huge before, because as you were saying, (laughs) it's a huge spot. I'm trying to... Well, what exactly does huge mean? But then you put a finer point on it, right? You said, mm-hmm. you said eight warehouses, and so eight large, warehouses. eight large warehouses, <laughs> and so that's if we're going to continue with huge. We're going to continue with large. <laughs> so that is so eight very large warehouses, seventeen thousand square meters, and then with four roses, it's seventy two. Sorry, seventeen warehouses with 72,000 meters of square footage. Now, one thing I know about Four Roses' current um, maturation, you know, their, their current warehouses, is that unlike, say, Wild Turkey or Heaven Hill or some of the other producers, they don't have multi-floor warehouses, you know, these rick houses. Mm-hmm. Theirs is a bit closer to that of of dunnage right so that's going to be quite sprawling when you were in scotland looking at those was it dunnage was it was it palletized was it racked what what was the deal there i'm so glad you asked the question because i was going to volunteer the information so (laughs) we are we're thinking alike here which always makes me happy there there were a number of palletized warehouses in effect okay and then a and then a smaller warehouse space that was being used for three high you know it's not done it's it's concrete floor yeah um but they were cast on their side three high uh recognizable as you're describing here as dunnage style yeah, it, it just quickly for our listeners again, if you're not familiar with the term dunnage, it's a warehouse with a dirt floor. Typically, casks are are sitting three to four casks high, and, and that's it. Whereas palletized, the roof could be much higher. You don't necessarily have a dirt floor, and you could just stack those casks pallet upon pallet upon pallet. Now, I remember going to Brooklotti, and seeing all sorts of of maturation styles, but their pallets went up really high. Exactly. And exactly. And so, and by really high, uh, I don't know. I'll take a stab in the dark and say likely higher than five pallets high, likely higher, right? Oh, I think they've. I think in Brooklady they've even talked about like ten and eleven. There you go. So, 
comparing this to that? Is it similar to what Brooklady are doing? 10, 11 pallets high? I, I don't want to say quite to guess. that high, yeah. but I, we definitely saw five and six. Definitely. Easily saw five and six. Okay. And so <laughs> you may not know the answer to this question. I'm sure maybe one of our listeners will. And I should know the answer to this question because I used to work in warehousing or I used to sell <laughs> products for warehousing purposes. Is when you're judging your square footage, is that both side to side and up and down? Is your square footage from floor to ceiling? It's not. No. Uh, no. Your square footage is just your floor plan. Okay. So now, okay, so we're, we're digging deeper here. So Because it surprised me when you said, here's 17,000 square meters for anybody to use. And mm -hmm. here's 72,000 square meters, mm -hmm. specifically for Four Roses to use. It, it almost sounded as if, you know, boy, you guys over in, in, in Scotland need to up your game because look <laughs> at what this one distillery is doing while, while you guys are building general storage for a multitude. But it sounds like they got, you can go a bit higher so you can likely get a, a lot more casks in there. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. But the other thing that, that continually strikes me, and, and you know this, and Jess knows this, I know this, many of our listeners know this, you simply cannot build warehouse space fast, fast enough. enough. Yep. Yep. In Scotland, or in Kentucky, or if you're a growing distiller, you know, with, with a decade under your belt in America... And it's so interesting in speaking to so many bottlers, distillers, uh, storage people, storage facilities. Everybody thinks the next big warehouse they build will be the one that solves all their problems. Nope. And as soon as it's complete, it gets filled immediately. And they say, yeah, we've actually you know, started plans for the next big warehouse and it'll be bigger than the big one we just opened. It's like, yeah, everybody needs space. Storage is absolutely at a premium. Yep. And as the Herald article says, you know, storage that meets regulations and security is... Is, is at a premium, just simply at a premium right now. Mm. I also, from, from being at Royal Elizabeth Yard, I believe anything that goes in there will just be for hard and fast storage. I don't, especially, you know, in, in a palletized warehouse. Yeah. Oh. You don't put yeah. things in there and keep a very close eye on them. You invariably say, this is liquid that we're not going to touch for six years eight years, 10 years, whatever it happens mm, to be. Mm -hmm. You're not watching it every three months. You're not putting experiments in there. You're putting in an 18-wheel truck. Mm -hmm. It's driving down there. It's being stored, and then it's being retrieved some number of years in the future. Which then brings me to a point that I first thought when I read it, and Jess first thought when she read it, and there's only three comments on this article and one of the comments is about this as well, <laughs> which is Standing Stane Road yeah. and Milton Farm Road. <laughs> the clue is in that second name there. 
they are a schlep from Edinburgh. Mm. They're 20, 30 minutes by taxi outside of Edinburgh. And you end up going through countryside to get there. I looked at Jess. Jess had actually been there previously. And as we're in the back of the taxi, I'm saying to her, is this right? And the guy driving the taxi is like, is this right? (laughs) (laughs) Is this... Is GPS really sending us to the right yeah. place here? Yeah. There are some tight, narrow roads. The The infrastructure might be in place for the regulatory and security requirements. Mm-hmm. They're not in place for heavy goods vehicles <laughs> driving in and out with loads of filled casks. Yeah. That's going to be part of that build out over the there. infrastructure, so. the the widening of roads. Oh yeah. Up, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I because because yeah. because and actually I learned yeah. this from the person who put it in the comments. Yeah. The yard with that history with the navy mm-hmm. was served by rail. The rail line went to and from the the yard. And so they didn't have to worry about the road. It was all on the train. Did they, did the rail bring the milkshakes to the yard or just the boys? <laughs> Jeez Louise. I was, I was listening so carefully there like, okay, I wonder what my answer is going to be to this question. Do I know if the rail link is still in place? I don't think it is. Do I do I know if the if the tracks are still in place? No, I I don't think they are. I think they got removed as well. Oh, does the rail bring all the milkshake to the yard? Yeah, okay, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yep, thank right. you very much. Okay. <laughs> but but now now for a serious question. Well, not not a serious not a question necessarily, but just sort of a, an observation. I, I remember 10, 12 years ago, either through Malt Whiskey Yearbook or, or some publication. Uh, which talked about the general number of casks that would be in Scotland year over year. And and it seemed to average 20 million casks of whiskey, of which 95% of them were were bourbon barrels or or bourbon hogsheads. Mm. And, right? And over the past 10 to 12 years, I've heard that number creep up and creep up and creep up. To, to, to near on 25 million casks of whiskey in Scotland. I don't know the number of, of casks for the U.S., mm. but when I, when I think about the, the growth of whiskey within Scotland as it's compared to the U.S., yes, Scotland is growing. I mean, we just talked about it in the last Extra Extra where there's plans for X number of Campbelltown distilleries mm-hmm. and, and, you know, this distillery and that distillery growing. But here in the U.S., you're dealing with about 3,000 micro distilleries, not including the big boys. I don't think these micro distilleries will ever, most of them get to the point where they need a massive amount of storage outside of their own use. Unlike some, like what, what you had mentioned, right? Some of these other distilleries that have been around for 10, 10 years, 12 years, and need to grow their distillery, need to grow their warehouse. It will be interesting to see 
if we see storage like what we're seeing Scotland doing now, the sort of general warehousing, mm-hmm. right? You know, I know we, you know, we have our, our bottling hall in Kentucky that does store for a multitude of people, but that's t- but that's typically for liquid in process, right? It, it's not long-term storage like mm-hmm. what we're talking about here mm-hmm. with Scotland. It's short-term storage because they're about to bottle it. It'd be really interesting to see if we ever get to this point here in the U.S. where we can have centralized long-term storage. My guess is the answer could very well be no, and that's simply due to the geographic differences between the U.S. and Scotland, right? I mean, it'll take you (laughs) days to drive across the U.S., and a few hours to drive across Scotland, right? So, so I don't know if it would ever apply, but it would be, it'd be interesting to see how, how things evolve here in the U.S. Well, the thing that I always go to is how much of the, the bourbon and rye being matured in the U.S. is hanging out for two years mm. in storage. Right, that's a good point. And four years yeah. and six years and then... The dwindling numbers that are into 10 and 14 and 20, you know, whereas in Scotland, here we are, you're a minimum of three years, then maybe you're eight years, then maybe you're into your 12s in your your traditional age statements. Um, And so you've got, right, you've got casts that are being stored for longer Mm -hmm. in a country that's the size of the smallest U.S. state. Yeah, yeah, right. Think about a product like Rittenhouse rye, right? 50% alcohol, two-year-old rye whiskey that's in every bar and on most people's Mm -hmm. shelves Mm -hmm. and and just Mm -hmm. put into every cocktail. Yes, they need a ton of storage for that product, but the inventory keeps rotating because all you need mm-hmm. is the is the two years, right? So yeah, that that's a really good point because of how we make our whiskey. You don't need that long term storage. Do you remember when we were at Bernheim back when Denny Potter was still there and he showed us around? I do. And as we were going through the distilling facility, mm-hmm. there was a window we walked past and we looked out and kind of across the parking lot, there was a brick building that was mahusive yes. and they had casks on every single floor 12 floors high yep yep 12 <laughs> floor high warehouse <laughs> i think about that that facility all the time and and obviously you know my my dad was a bricklayer and i i just think of you know some of the jobs that he had and some of the buildings that that he was at the building of and I just think of that 12-story brick facility mm. that is only housing casks of whiskey. If, here's just to add a little color to that. If you recall back in 2013 when we did our second Jubilee and we had our first Jubilee Festival bottling, we were working with Heaven Hill to, to bottle a 15-year-old. And they gave us... I think it was three samples, maybe four samples, something from the fourth floor, something from the seventh floor, and then something from the ninth or tenth floor, something like that. 
and we ended up picking the Goldilocks one, right? Right in the middle. Um, but the one that was on the higher floor, the ABV on that spirit was over 80% alcohol. After 50, it'd been sitting there for 50 years, 50. It had been sitting there for 15 years, lost a bunch of liquid and was over 80% alcohol. It's funny that you say that because because the 80 just sounds absolutely mental to me. But I remember the sample bottle saying 160 proof. And when you see 160 proof, and you and I don't deal in proof day in and day out, no. but you see 160 proof and you think, oh, it's 160 proof, and then you move on with your business. <laughs> and the, the thing that was always striking about that sample, because people, you know, we've, we've told this story in tastings once or twice, and people have always said, oh, did it blow your head off? And it never, never did. did. No. It didn't blow our heads off, but what happened was it really never made it to the back of the palate. Yeah. It just evaporated off the tongue. Yep. Yep. And I always remember that being so striking, A, that the ABV was so insane on it. Um, but then the fact that, no, it, it didn't taste like like drinking cleaning alcohol. Mm, no. It just it had flavor on the front of the palate, and then it just evaporated real fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I remember actually quite enjoying it. I also remember them saying the number of bottles that would come from the <laughs> cask. I mean, the one that we selected was 67 some odd bottles. Anyway, part of the reason that I brought that up and added the color is is to just once again highlight the 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 differences between what warehousing looks like in the US and what warehousing looks like in the UK, both from a logistical standpoint on where you can move stuff around, uh, from um, uh, just a temperature standpoint, right? A weather standpoint mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how your whiskey matures. And then also from a, uh, a, re a regulatory standpoint where bourbon and rye has to be a new charred oak and therefore it's going to get two, four, six, eight years old and then your inventory turns because you fulfilled your need for that product. It's just quite interesting seeing the stark differences between the two, hearing the, the differences in the numbers. And as we're talking aloud, talking through it, talking through the thought process, hearing why that makes sense for Scotland and why that makes sense for Four Roses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. But also so funny to be thinking Dunnage style in America, palletized in Scotland, right? Yeah. It's yeah, also yeah. <laughs> it's always it's always interesting to me as well, looking at the palletized casks. Obviously, traditionally, casks have laid on their sides. They've been filled on their sides, they've been stored on their sides. The bunghole occurs at the high point of the cask as it lies on its side. Mm -hmm. You then stand it upright to put it on a pallet with a few of its friends, you then put a pallet on top of those and you add another cask and a few of its friends, and then you add another pallet, you're increasing the pressure mm -hmm. on the ends of the cask, but the bung is still in the middle of it. Yeah. All of that liquid is pressing up against that bung when it's sitting on its end, with greater pressure being applied from above. I'm curious to see if we'll, for those that, 
that engage with palletized warehousing, if we'll start to see bungs get moved onto onto heads, onto ends of casts. Oh, I've seen I've as seen it that. Then gets, yeah, 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 yeah. I, as I, it then gets stood up up on its end. Yep, I've I've seen that. Um, I'm trying to remember. Or a permanent one. bung put in the bung hole, and then another bung cut in a head. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's get out of here. We've said said everything we came to say, and and if we're going to respect the tight thirty five, we got to get out. Uh, a few few bits and bobs before we get out of here. If you want to drop us a, a line, please feel free. Info at singlecastnation.com or questions at one nation under whiskey.com. No Ian Whiskey. Thanks to the Herald. Thanks to the AP for these articles. Thanks to Jess for sending in the, the one from the Herald. Mm-hmm. Reader view. Uh, you can also, if you're using Safari, you can also on the URL yeah. bar. Yeah. You can just go to the left side and there's like a little sheet of paper. Yeah. Click that and it'll give you reader view for any article. And all the ads disappear, all the pop-ups disappear. It's life-changing. Thanks to Bert for that bit of information. Thanks to you, Joshua Hatton. And as always, thanks to our dear listeners. We'll be back in two weeks another episode of Extra Extra. Till then, peace. Peace.